Well, Paul starts off the chapter, he says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, that's the same way he starts chapter three. So he's trying to get something across by bringing to mind that he's a prisoner. And if you, uh, you know, we all have a family member or a friend that's in prison. And uh, when you, that gets brought up, you know, along with that comes up, why is it that they're there? And in the case of Paul, as is in the case of, of lots of people in prison uh, throughout the entire world, it, it's not always the case that the person did anything wrong. Uh, with Paul, Paul hadn't done anything wrong. In fact, in an odd sense, uh, prison was good news for him because if he hadn't have gone to prison, they were planning on killing him. And who was it that was planning on killing him? His own family his own people, the people who were supposed to love him and have his back, take care of him, they had decided that they needed to get rid of him. And so why is it that the people who should be, we should be the closest to, the people that we should be loving the most, how does it come about that we can feel as though we need to get rid of that person? And Paul points to why that is. He says, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. The, the word worthy there is um, like uh, access. It's uh, uh, what he's saying is, is we, the reason why is, is that what the, the word there, he says, uh, have been called, it's an invitation, the invitation of Jesus. He's talking about the salvation that we find in Jesus. And what he's saying is the way in which we think we are going to be saved, we will always try and balance our life to match that. Whatever it is that we're thinking about in terms of the way in which we're going to get saved, we will walk in a way that's incomparable to that. That's what he's getting at there. And so in the context of him being a prisoner, why is it that the people that should be loving him the most are trying the hardest to get rid of him? The reason why is that they have a view of salvation that if they do the right thing, if they can figure out the right thing to do, and if they can do it, it's a salvation based on here's what the Bible has to say, and if we do it, then we will be blessed, we will be saved. And what Paul is saying is, that isn't it odd that we, we have like the Romans? The Romans aren't trying to love anyone. <laughs> They're just trying to control people and oppress people. They're not even, they don't even care if you call them good or bad. But isn't it odd that there's harm that comes to us from just people who are just out to harm us? But there's also harm that comes to us from people who are supposed to be loving us and care, that we're supposed to have a bond with. What he's saying is, is when we have it in our mind that our salvation depends on us, then the inevitable conclusion in our actions is that it's going to be against people. It's going to mean we're going to have to overcome people. It's going to mean that we're going to have to lock people up. It's going to mean it's going to make rational sense. It's going to seem good 
to the people here that think they're the holy people. They're the people of God. They're the people who are following what God has to say. They're the people who are standing up for what is good. They're the people who are standing up for what is right. They have decided that they're going to kill Paul. And what's the reason? Because he disagrees with them. Because he isn't on board with what they think they need to do. And so they need to get rid of him. What he's saying is, is as soon as we start thinking about salvation, how is it that good is going to come into our life? How is it that, that things will go well for us? Whenever we think that way, if we think it's dependent on us, the resulting action, we, we like to think it'll be, oh, well, then I'll be a good person. Then. But that's not what it ends up being. It ends up putting us against someone else. This is why Cain killed Abel. Over what? Worship. They were both worshiping God. But Cain felt the need to kill his brother. What we do when we start thinking about, well, how are things going to go well for me, for my family, for, for our church, for our country, for, for our neighborhood? How are things going to go well for however it is I want to define it? How are things going to go well? You start thinking, I need to somehow put pressure on people. I need to somehow get other people on board. I need to create a unity with what I think is good. And the way that I can create that unity is by somehow pressuring, shaming, talking down to, preaching at, containing people. We put this burden onto people and try and force a confirmation. And in doing that, we just drive people further and further away. But Paul says, if our salvation is in us, what are we going to do? How are we going to save ourselves? How are we going to make it so that good is here? Then that's the only, we're, we're locked into that. There, there's no way out. But he says, if there is another option, if we hear the invitation of Jesus and we say, well, actually, what if there's an option that isn't dependent on us? What if God is going to save us? What if Jesus is going to save us? What he's saying is, is that opens up freedom. How does that open up freedom for us? Because it gives us another. Freedom is about being able to choose. But when you only have one option, then you can't choose. <laughs> There is no freedom. This is the road we have to go on, and the result is destruction. But now there is opened up, if we believe in Jesus, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? To believe that there is a salvation apart from our works, a salvation that isn't dependent on this, us doing something, but it's just dependent on Jesus, on God, on God's love for us. If this is another salvation that we can look at, then that gives us a choice. We have freedom now to choose. And so when we choose to follow Jesus, we're saying we believe that there is a salvation that is outside of us. Now then, we have a choice. And so Paul is saying, if we have a choice, why would you choose this when you could choose this? Now, he's not saying you have to always, you can't ever try and save yourself. If you want to do that, he's, you were free to do it. And that's a good thing. 
You could do whatever you want. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have the freedom to try and save yourself just like everybody else is doing. If you like to go back to that, you can't anytime. And we do all the time. All of us go back to this. But now we have freedom, and it's freedom in the sense of we can choose. We have a different option. And he's just saying, when you look at these two things, why wouldn't you choose this? Now, what does this result in? He says, here's what it results in with all humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another, bearing with one another in love. So here's the one side. What is it that's going to save us? He says it will have a balancing action to it. It just will, because we'll force, because of our reason, we will force it. And so if we choose to, if we're a believer and we feel like we've got two choices, but we choose to focus on things and looking at life in order of how do we save ourselves, he's just saying that you think it's going to be good, it never ends up being good. It just ends up in us just tearing people up, putting pressure on people, crushing people, trying to force people to conform. He says, that's the reality. It's not a good action. But if we want to, we have something else we can look at if we believe that Jesus will save us. If we believe that Jesus will save us apart from our actions, then we have something else to look at. And if we look at that, what are the actions that result from this? We have Jesus saves us even though we don't deserve it through forgiveness. And no matter what we do, Jesus is there for us. What does that mean? It means now we have a choice in our actions. We don't have to try and force confirmation. We can now just bear with people. We can now, we have the option to just put up with people. We don't have to fix it. We can just say, well, I don't know. If Jesus saves, then Jesus can fix it. I don't know what's Jesus going to do. Let's see what he will do. I don't have to go and fix that problem. Even if it's a problem like Paul has where he's in prison now, he doesn't have, Jesus didn't have to fix the problem. He just put up with it to the point of even the worst case happened. God didn't prevent it. God let them kill him. They killed Jesus. We killed Jesus. Jesus put up with us all the way to the point of us actually killing him, and God raised him from the dead. It ended up being even better. What Paul is saying is, is if Jesus saves, if God is willing to save us on his own, if God is going to come down and become one of us and die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and make that sacrifice and save us, then that opens up a whole bunch of different ways of approaching. We don't have to approach things the way that we would if it was just us saving ourselves. We can now just relax. We can, everyone says it's so bad to sit back. Well, is it, the option is either sit back or go out and kill people. Maybe it's better to just sit back. If the options are put people in prison or, or sit back and wait, maybe it's better to just sit back and wait. If there is an option 
of Jesus saving, then sitting back and waiting is not a bad option. If there is no possibility of God coming in, and if it is just dependent on us, then of course you can't just sit back. But this opens up a new possibility that we can bear with each other. We can just put up with it and wait and see what God does. And our prayer would not be that God gets rid of the person or that God gets rid of the problem by getting rid of people because then he would be getting rid of us. The hope is that God will fix it in a way that we're just not capable of fixing. And when he brings us together with people, by us just bearing with, we're maintaining the unity that God brings together. Here's what he says. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. What he's saying is, is God is going to fix it in a way that brings peace, not war. God will fix it in a way that bridges the gap, that, that brings us together. We're waiting for an option that doesn't include what they're doing to Paul, which is locking him up or trying to kill him. We're waiting for an option that we can't make happen ourselves. It's a salvation where God is going to pull us together, where the Holy Spirit is going to create a bond, where the Holy Spirit is going to create peace. And if we have anything to add to that, it, it wouldn't be to add, it would just be to put up with the suffering that we're causing each other in the hopes that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit will bring us together. And he says, there's great hope that this is going to happen because this is what God is all about. This is what God has set us out from the very beginning when he said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. And he brought Eve into Adam's life. God is about bringing us together. And he says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all and through all. Saving does not just mean saving us so we're an island unto ourselves. Saving is not just about an individual. It's not just about me. Saving includes saving us from being alone. Saving us, the purpose of saving is to be together. The purpose of Jesus coming in and coming down and becoming one of us is to, for God to be with us. The purpose of the Holy Spirit coming down and dwelling in us it's about Jesus being with us, us being with God, us being together. So when we're thinking about saving ourselves, it ends up just driving us to these solitary conclusions of locking people up, killing people, pushing people out, pressing down on people so that they will conform to us, to what we think. But if there's an option of Jesus is going to save us, then I, I don't need to know what's how, what the best way. Jesus, the disciples had no idea how Jesus was planning. They had no idea that Jesus had to die on the cross. They had no idea how this was all going to work. They just 
had to bear with each other. And even though Jesus did nothing against them, they had to bear with what they perceived to be problems with Jesus. And then Jesus saved them in a way that also brought them together. And what does he say? He says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, when it says, he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also he who ascended far into the heavens that he might fill all things. He's talking about what we've been looking at, Acts chapter 3, where Jesus came down and dwelt with us in his body. And then after he was killed and rose from the dead, when he ascended up into heaven to prepare a place for us, to get things ready for us, he didn't leave us orphaned, he said. He left us with the Holy Spirit came down. And he says, it's good for us. It's good news that the Holy Spirit is now with you. Because instead of just following a solitary person around, the Holy Spirit, I am now with and everyone who believes in my salvation. I'm going to make my presence in their presence. And he says, that's much better. But what he's saying is, is that this presence of Jesus now, everyone has a part of it. That everything that we need from Jesus is now not just found in something individual that he's giving to us. It's now found that a part that I need is here with this person that I meet. And now when we come together, we can exchange those parts so we have more fullness of who Jesus is. As a third person comes in, they have a part. And now the fullness grows. So that he's saying that he's giving gifts, he's saving us, he's bringing good into our life in a way that doesn't isolate us or cause us in our reasoning, our selfishness to just sort of build an island unto ourselves. He says he's doing it specifically in a way by giving gifts, different gifts to each person, so that we need each other. What we need of Jesus, we can find as we come together. He's saving us in a way and blessing us here on earth in a way and distributing his Holy Spirit in our life in a way that pulls us together because that's what God is about. He says, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. It's not the only gifts. He just lifts off some. But he uses the some that he brings up to show how this pulling together It, it's forming a church, a local church. Why is church important, or how is it that we should view church? If we're saving ourselves, then it's all about us trying to figure out who, you know, you know, I play backgammon, so who plays backgammon? And then those are my friends, that's my family, that's the people that will love me. And I'm gonna, who are the, I get to choose? Well, the problem is the people we choose and whatever, 
it, it's like Paul here, you end up getting voted off the island by them. <laughs> he says, it's not about us choosing anymore. And if we could choose, if we could find true love, if we could figure that out and do that, then there'd be no reason for Jesus. But Jesus, part of saving is him giving a gift to this person and to this person. And, and we accept this person, not because of the flesh part of them or what it is that, you know, I'm into CrossFit, they're into CrossFit type thing. It's not that type of connection. That may start like that. But the real connection is, is that what is it that the Holy Spirit, them coming to understand the love that Jesus has and accepting the salvation that Jesus is offering, and, and then the gift of the Holy Spirit coming down on them, and them now having certain gifts that I need. And those gifts pull us together. And what he says is when that's happening, when it's about the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given and how Jesus has pulled us together, the friendship, the fellowship, the the unity together that Jesus is doing, he calls a church. We can call church whatever it is we want to call it. But church is something that Jesus is doing, and it's not about us choosing where we're going to go, or I chose this, or I chose that, or I like this, or I like that. It's not about that. It's about the way that God is bringing us, the Holy Spirit within us has distributed these gifts in a way that we now need each other and we help. And so what's he saying? He's saying, number one, we've got some choices if we believe in Jesus. We don't have to just keep beating on people. We can now just bear with each other. And it turns out that bearing with people ends up being the only way that we can maintain any kind of unity or bond of peace. You can't have peace with someone unless you're willing to bear with them. Well, I don't want to bear with them. You don't have to bear with someone if you don't want to. Don't if you don't want to. You can go down this other road. Jesus will save you. Jesus will come find you. But if you're going to have any kind of unity with anyone, you can't have it unless we're willing to bear with each other. And so every time we choose not to bear with and push them up, well, then that's just a person we're not going to deal with. But if it's going to work, the only hope for it working is what logically comes from Jesus, which is let's just bear with each other. And so now we have a new choice. We can bear with each other. Why? Because our hope is that it's not in this getting fixed. It's in Jesus saving us and Jesus somehow just, we don't know how, but somehow working this out. He's also saying here that God is all about doing things together, bringing us together. And what he's saying is, we don't have to go it alone. This route of I have to save myself means we all know it. We try and fake this or fake that, but we all know what that means. It means I got to go at it alone. And that gets reinforced in us over and over and over again. That's why we're enslaved to that. I have to do it on my own. But he says, if Jesus has come down and become one of us, if Jesus is willing to save us apart from anything that we do, because he loves us and cares for us, that means 
we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to face this life alone. We don't have to face all the problems that we face alone. We don't have to bear all that burden. Jesus is going to bear it for us. Jesus will not leave us alone. And what is the way that Jesus has not left us alone? By bringing the Holy Spirit down to us and the Holy Spirit giving us gifts that pull us together in what is called a church. We can do it together as a church. We don't have to, but we have that option now. And what Paul is saying is, is why, if we have that option, I mean, we don't have to, but he's employing us. Why wouldn't we? Why face all the challenges of life alone? Why, why face all the burdens of life alone? Why just let them just pile up and just crush us and drive us crazy and just deteriorate our health and just make life miserable? Why go down that road? We, can, we have a choice. We can do it. But wouldn't it be better to do it together? Well, there's all these problems when we do it. Well, of course there's problems, but just bear with it. Well, then who's going to fix it then? Jesus. That's the hope. That's why it's an option. It's not an option because we're, our hope is that we're going to fix it. It's an option because the hope is that Jesus is going to fix it. Well, we can't accomplish this small group of people. What's it going to It's not going to accomplish anything. But if the Holy Spirit is in us, if Jesus is there, and then we're coming into the fullness of who Jesus is by connecting with more and more people that are coming to believe, and the Holy Spirit is coming on them, and they're getting gifts that are complement complements us, that, that we need, that they need us, and it pulls us together this way, why wouldn't we? share life together then. And that's an option if Jesus is saving us. It isn't an option if it, if it isn't, because if Jesus isn't saving us and it's up to us, it's going to end up being the situation that Paul is in, where the people that should be his family are now trying to kill him. And we see that happening everywhere. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to the mature man, to which the measure of stature, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. He's saying fullness of Christ means that we're, he's about ready to say, growing in all aspects of him. Christ means Jesus saving us, just as it's not just his name as a person. Jesus being a good person, it's Christ, it's the nature of him saving us apart from our what we do. And what he says there with uh, mature is the word is, it's like uh, the, 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 I don't know, it's like that stupid phrase, I don't even know where it came from now anyways, but it has a funny thing in my mind where it's like, I, I complete you, that type of thing. It's like the fulfillment that we're looking for. He's saying, you will find that fulfillment in this salvation by following down the path that this, full, this salvation found in Jesus, this invitation to that salvation, you'll find fulfillment down that path. And, and then he says, explains why it is that we're going to find the fulfillment that we're looking for down this path 
that, that leads to us joining together as a church that, that's, that's rooted in us coming to see this invitation to a salvation that is not dependent on us. It's just dependent on Jesus stepping into our life and saving us. We keep thinking that I need to save ourselves, that this is a viable option, that this works. And he's now about ready to explain why this doesn't work. And here's why he says, and it's a little bit funny. He says, we don't, he calls this, this is just infantile. You know, this is just childish, the idea that we're going to save ourselves. Why is it childish? Because a child or an infant has no view of history, (laughs) But someone who's older, like me, in my 50s, I've got some view of the past, and a view of the past should tell me, this is not working. (laughs) But he says, why it's not working is because we're just being tossed here and there by waves and carried around by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people and the craftiness and deceitful scheming. The the word there that he uses is a great word. It's dice playing. He says, what's happening over here is that you've just got all these teachings about how how do I save myself? How how do things go well? How do I bring good into my life? We've got all these teachings that are coming. All these new teachings were just tossed here and there. And the reason why we're being tossed here and there, as he says, it's the dice playing of people. In other words, people are just gaming us. That's what's happening. What does he mean by that? If I look at my, like, I looked at it, sorry, I, I, I looked at my uh, Google AI this morning. I, I don't really know why I did that. But but you know, half the articles in there were about dieting. I, I don't know how the Google AI knows that I need to diet, but it does. Anyways, let's say that. I need to save myself. How, how am I going to save myself? Well, I mean, I probably need to start eating right I probably need to like, you know, lose a little bit of weight. I, I probably need to do that. And so how am I going to figure out how to do that? Well, as it turns out, there's millions and millions of articles about how to do that. In fact, every year there comes up some new way to diet, some new way to eat healthy. There's some new data that says, you know, I couldn't, I had to eat margarine before, now I can eat butter, or I had to eat turkey bacon before, or I shouldn't have salt, and now maybe some salt. There, there's all this teaching that's out there, and he's saying, look, we're just being tossed around by this. And he says the end result is not coming to any fulfillment or any conclusion, it's just the end result is just to cause us to wander. And he says, the reason why that is, is because we're just being gamed. How are we being gamed? Because if you look, for instance, at a search engine, you're looking for some sort of answer. But it's in the best interest of the search engine to do what? To keep you searching. It's all gamed, not to give us what we need, but to keep us clicking on things, to keep us looking at things. It's gamed in such a way as to persist in the searching, because the benefit that's coming to people is in us searching, and it's best to keep us there. And what he says is it has nothing, 
what I'm saying is it has nothing to do with the internet or a search engine or social media or anything like that, because none of that was there when Paul wrote this, but it was the exact same thing back then as it is today. The reason why it is today, the reason why the AI throws us things so that we will just continue searching is because that's who we are in our nature. That's the logical conclusion. That's the dots and I, if you were to just some sort of inanimate thing moving us off of this reason that's where it takes us it's always been that way and paul says look this is the problem with that it needs to be about speaking the truth in love saying the problem is there's no love there there never has been all this teaching that we just keep filling our lives with in this pursuit because we just keep holding on, we keep deciding we need to save ourselves. If we don't have any choice, then we don't we don't have any choice that we're just going to be tossed around and just caused to wander and we're just going to be manipulated and gamed by everyone. And there's just, that's what he's saying. We're sort of imprisoned to that because that's our only option. We need to get information from somewhere and that opens us up to getting gamed constantly by people. But if it doesn't depend on that, if it just depends on what? A God that loves us. I guarantee you, your AI doesn't love you. Your AI may say, what do you mean I don't love you? I feed you everything you wanna know. I curtail all the news, I curtail everything in the world to just give you what it is that you will click on. That's not love. Jesus is loving us. It says, greater love has no one than this, that one will lay down his life for his friend. And Jesus laid down his, God laid down his life for us. Oh, who are all these people peddling all these teachings? You think they're going to lay their life down? No, they're not. Absolutely not. In fact, if they could get, make money off of you and, and you happen to die because of it, they wouldn't even care because they're just gaming us. And it's not them gaming us. It's us gaming ourselves because it's all in all of us because that's what this is about. But he says, we've got a different option here. It's option if Jesus saves us. How do we see the love of Jesus? He says, but now we are speaking the truth in love and growing up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. Christ, again, he's talking about the saving nature of Jesus. What he's saying is, is, look, instead of just wandering around, getting tossed to and fro and getting gamed by all these people, by because we feel like we need this teaching to solve all the problems in our life, because the root thing that we're thinking about is I need to save myself. If we've got another option, let's look at that. If the other option is, is Jesus loves us, then what would growing in that be? It would be, he says, coming to realize our eyes opening up to all the different aspects of Jesus saving us. Each day as we get older and older and older, 20 years ago, I could name, I thought maybe of like a handful of ways that Jesus was saving me. But now it's like, you know, as you grow in that, you start realizing almost every second of the day I'm being saved. With every breath I take, I'm being 
saved. You just start, our eyes open up. And what happens when our eyes open up to all the different ways that this is true, that we come to see, we believe, no, I think this is true, that God is just saving me, that there's all these instances where I'm being saved from things, even though I've done the wrong thing or whatever, that's things that I couldn't even handle, but I'm being saved from it. As we start seeing that, what happens? And he says, from whom the whole body being fitted together and held together by what every joint supplies. The word joint, it's, it's the word joint, but you know, when you think of joint, some of yours say ligament. In, in what sense is he talking about joint or ligament? The, the way that he's talking about joint and ligament isn't just however we choose to think of a joint and ligament. It's specific. The, the root that he's getting at there is uh, an impact, something, uh, uh, the way that we're touched or the way that, 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 that something is, a contact is made in such a way that causes, uh, 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 causes us to change direction or, or determines where we're going to go. And, and so it's like a, a joint. It's the aspect of the joint that like, I can't bend this way because my joint won't let me. I, it guides me I, I, so that I bend this way. Now, I could bend this way, just crack my arm over, but it would break my joint and ruin my, you know, it, it wouldn't be a great way to go. It's better for me just to go with the way that my joint, my ligaments are taking me. And what he's saying is, is look, the impact that we want over here it's just causing us to just flop all over the place. And it's about us just gaming each other through all these things. But this is something different. That if there is this option, that God will step into our life, that God will offer us salvation apart from this, and God will come down and dwell in us, and God will bring us gifts that pull us all together. And, and if growing them, would then mean seeing all the different ways that God is saving us and doing this and pulling us together, saving us in the totality, not just saving us from situations, from saving us from being alone by bringing people into our lives like that. That that will give us the impact to change the course of our life that we are looking for from this teaching. And how is it that it changes the impact in our life? Because we see that the love that God has for us, as we see every aspect of Jesus saving us, we see every aspect in the way in which he loves us and cares for us. And he says that love that we see through this, that will change the course of our life. And he says it will cause the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. It will change not just the fulfillment of me as an individual, but it'll change the course for all of us that are being pulled together as a church, not because we've chosen to come here or go there, but because God has pulled us together. And God has given us, Jesus has given us gifts that, that, that bond us together, that we need each other. And as we bear with each other and we see the salvation that comes and the things that God is doing through the Holy Spirit in our life, 
through the Holy Spirit in the lives of us that he's pulled together, it builds this community of love that we've all been looking for. He says, this option of God saving us, Jesus, the invitation to the salvation of Jesus is life-changing and gives us freedom because now we have the option to bear with. We don't have to overcome everyone. We can bear with. It changes it because we don't have to be alone. We can do things with the people that God pulls us together with. And that fulfillment that we're looking here that's never going to come because it's in our best interest to keep ourselves searching, 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 and wandering around and just gaming each other. Because now we have another option, which is let's try and just see, is this message true or not? Is it true that Jesus is going to save me? Is it true that Jesus is going to save me apart from my actions? Let me see if this is true. And as I start looking at my life and start investigating this and coming to conclusions regarding this, as I find that it's true, that it's growing, that in every aspect I'm finding more and more and more that Jesus is saving us, what is the conclusion that comes from that? It's inevitable. It can't be stopped. It's that we feel in our hearts we recognize if this is true, then God must love me. Jesus loves me. And as we grab a hold of that, he's not just going to leave it to just us and him. He's going to bring others whom he's doing the exact same thing to that are coming to the exact same conclusions. And the way in which he's blessing each of us is going to pull us together and form a family where there's love. Uh, let's pray. And if you, God has been working on your heart and you'd like to respond to this and you'd like to accept Jesus as your Savior and have this freedom now to be able to choose and have the gift of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. You can pray with me as we pray and then we'll continue on. Uh, Jesus, uh, if anyone right now is asking for you to be their Savior and is saying yes to this invitation, I pray that you would forgive their sins, that you would open their eyes to see how much you love and care for them, each day opening it more and more. And I pray that you would give them the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I pray that you would pull them in and bond us together. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.